sermons. And what I'm going to tell you is the absolute truth. You guys can go back and listen to my sermons online and, and hear that what I'm telling you is the absolute truth. But when we were going through the, the book of Romans chapter 15, I made the statement that it was my vision, it was my dream, it was my prayer that at some point in the future, this building would have 250 people in it. That was a year ago. Now, understand, at the time I made that statement, we were running 25 or 30. I never thought it would happen in this way. Never thought it would happen this way, folks. This coming together, and I'm still tempted to say hello, Hillview, but it's like it's hello, Conduit. We're one big family now. This coming together has been a God thing from day one. From the beginning, and I'll leave it to, to Darren to tell you guys some of the miraculous things that have occurred along the way to bring our two families together. But the very fact that we're standing here right now today, June 1st, with 200 people in this building in answer to a prayer that I made a year ago and I had no way of knowing how that would lay out. It reminds me of one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 29:11. You guys probably know it. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not harm you, to give you a future and a hope. You ever thought about that verse? When you read it real slow and think about it, he says, I know the plans I have for you. Not past tense, not future tense, I have right now for you. A year ago when I made that prayer, when I, made, when I had that vision of 250 people, God knew exactly what he was doing. 27 years ago, and I think Darren's going to tell you a little bit about the history of, of our church. When God planted this church here, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that June 1st, 2014, we'd be doing this right now. Our God is an awesome God. He is a great God. And he's in total control. And because of that verse, because I know without a shadow of a doubt, folks, that this is a God thing, that he is in total control. You know what I can do? I can rest in the comfort that no matter what happens, no matter how many hiccups we have, no matter if the worship leader misnames his worship team, <laughs> no matter if the screen is crooked or the wall is crooked or whatever it is, no matter what happens, folks, God is in control. He has a plan for us. He has a plan for Conduit. He has a plan for Hillview, who is now part of Conduit. And folks, I am so excited. I am so excited to be here to see that plan unfold. For the, those of you guys who have been through um, Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God Bible Study, one of the most famous Bible studies out there, one thing that Henry preaches throughout that Bible study is that, and I'm kind of summarizing, I'm doing the Cliff Notes version here, he says basically, don't try to do things for God. Find out where God is working and join him there. God is working here. God is doing great things here. And God's going to continue to do great things here. And it is my prayer for every one of you this morning. And I don't know any of you. <laughs> I look around. I know like 12 people in this room, in this building, okay? It's going to take me a long time to get to know you guys, but bear with me. Whoever you are, I pray that you will take advantage of what God is doing here. That you will join God where he is at work right here and become a part of the great work that he is doing in this community here in Franklin, Spring Hill, Thompson Station, and even places abroad like Guatemala and Haiti and Africa and even bigger places that we can't even imagine yet. God is in control. And I, 
you know, if you hitch your, your wagon to God's horse and let him drive, it is a ride that you will never, ever, ever forget. So hang on, strap in, it's going to be fun. You guys, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Oh, God, wow, it is so incredible what you're doing. And when I think back over the years that that I've been at Hillview and even think back to 27 years ago when this church was planted and then we think back to four years ago when when Conduit was started with with Darren and just an an idea and just a, a prompting from you, Father. Could we have ever known what you had for us in plan, Father? And yet here you are. Proving to us that you are a God who can be depended upon, can be relied upon, can be trusted you. You are sovereign, Father. You know all things and you are all-powerful, Lord. And for that, we praise you this morning. We give you thanks, Lord, for what you have done here. We give you thanks for what you're going to do over the next several years, Father, because we know that anything that comes from you is going to be good, Lord. And that, therefore, this is going to be a group of people who are going to take your great commission seriously. Go ye, therefore, and spread the gospel to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, Father. Lord, we praise you and we worship you. We love you, Father. We proclaim you as our King and as our Lord, our Savior, our Messiah. And this morning, Father, it is my prayer that every single one of us make a decision right now to bow to your sovereignty, to bow to your will, Father, to agree to let you work through us, not as Hillview, not as Conduit, Father, but as your church, to reach so many people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, Father. And Lord, we pray this in your holy and blessed Son's name. Amen. We just sang two songs. And uh, those of you from Hillview, you know that I like to, to say this, that, that worship is a two-way street. You know that? You ever think about that? Worship is a two-way street. It's not one way. Worship isn't we sing songs and worship's done. Worship is two directions, bi-directional. It's a conversation with God. When we sing songs, we're singing praises to him. We're letting him know how much we love him, how much we adore him, how much we worship him, how, how much thanksgiving we're giving to him. It's our chance to talk to him. But then on the flip side is the part of worship where God talks back to us. This is where Darren comes in this morning. He's going to give us God's word. And then once he's done, we're going to have another chance to praise God once again. Look around you, see what God is doing, and be prepared to praise God for the wonderful things he has done in our two churches' lives today. Thank you. You know, You know, Jim, you might, uh, I don't know if you know this, but just in K through 5 today, we have 45 children. Downstairs in the basement, there are 39 teenagers, two adults. So uh, what I'm getting at is, is that I think we've, are, we're, the 250 thing is today. We might be there just with kids. <laughs> we conduits are breeders, and there are, uh, and we're not slowing down anytime soon, apparently. Yeah, we got, it is contagious, just so you know. We, they did a head count uh, when we were trying to put together the nursery and stuff, and we have, now or in the immediate future, we have 
uh, 20 babies under the year, uh, year one. So we, uh, two, we wanted to. So, you know, we, when I say that, we're not, like, we're not kidding. Like, uh, our, we don't have to teach that. They figured it out. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all about reaching the kids, you know. I'm, I'm not often speechless, <laughs> which is kind of weird when I'm not supposed to be, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm supposed to have something really profound to say, but I just am in awe of what God has done. You know, it's the preparations that start way before, before the foundations of the earth. You know, God is smart enough to know that even before 1987 that things were going to need to be put in motion that would lead to today. And he did that with Moses Moses, it's been said, spent the first 40, uh, 40 years of his life becoming a somebody, and then the second 40 years becoming a nobody, and the last 40 saving everybody. And that first 40 years while he was becoming somebody, while his people languished, you know, it wouldn't be uh, but 40 years after that when God would say, write this down to Moses. And he could. He was a part of the culture for 40 years that invented written language and papyrus. Write this down. He could. That was preparation for him. Things were being set in motion. 40 years in a desert with nothing but a stick in his hand and a bunch of sheep. And as a guy that has had some sheep, I know that's not a very thrilling proposition. <laughs> but when he said, lead my people out, he knew that place like the back of his hand. And that day when he argued, he said, God, I don't want to do this. I'm not qualified. I can't speak. I can't. I can't. And he said, Moses, what's in your hand? That was God's answer to him. And his hand was a staff. And it was him saying to you, Moses, 40 years of this, you're qualified to do this. I'll send Aaron to do the talking. It ain't about the talking. I need somebody who knows how to get out of here. And he did. And I think to conduit and to Hillview and think, man, what the Lord, the, the sense of humor that he has. You know, it's almost like a Rube Goldberg machine. Do you know what I'm talking about? If, if you don't, it's like the thing where you put a marble in and it goes down and it hits the spatula, it flips around, the flash water swings and opens the thing. Actually, I brought one with me this morning um, because this sort of reminded me of what happened with us, which is, you know, Jim and I are having coffee after an email gets sent to me from Edie and, and somewhere around here, uh, Reed Hughes, you guys, some of you know Reed and Cortland Fuquay, who are part of our family, they meet and some things start falling into place. And one at a time, God starts to roll the ball along. Even when it felt like we were pushing it uphill. <laughs> and the idea was planned. But what if, what if a merger were possible? What if you guys need a place to be and we, you know, we have the space? And, and then God just started dropping things in, in line. One, two, three things. And, and for Condo, we're like, this is great, but how could we possibly afford it? And then God threw some wind in our sails. Because we were thinking, well, we could go get a mortgage, but we have a lot of people work for Dave Ramsey, so that wouldn't work. And then, and then God started rolling the ball and said, you know what, I have a, I have a better idea. The guy that you thought you would, uh, that would give all the money to orphans in Africa for the interest, that's a, that's a great idea, but I have a better idea. What if I just throw down the barrier and pay for it in full? So we stand and sit in a building this morning that is completely debt-free and that sort of energized us and set some things in motion this morning. Things that we had not imagined before. <laughs> so that ultimately the Lord 
whether it was through Reed or Cortland or Jim or Darren or Bobby or Ada or those, the history of these churches together is starting something new. Isn't it nice when things just work? (laughs) If only one of those things would have gone wrong, the rest of it doesn't fall into place. And I think back over this journey, I mean, Jim and I were having a coffee just a couple months ago, and with, I mean, no really agenda. I'm just like, you know, he's talking about like what pastors do. This is what we're struggling. This is where, and, and I said to him, you know, like we'll probably never have a building because, I mean, I don't know if you've been shopping lately in Williamson County. I mean, I thought, well, we could, but we could plant a church in Sparta and then maybe scratch enough money together to afford it, right? And it's beautiful out there, but it's just a little far of a drive. And, but the Lord had some things in mind that, in fact, we had a young family. They were uh, they had been gone for three weeks. And they said to Cortland, they were like, "Hey, what happened? We were we missed like three Sundays, and we're moving into a building next week, and it's paid for. Like, how'd that happen? I don't know. It's a good question. But it it, it didn't start last month. It started, like I said before, the foundations of the earth. It started in 1987 here when you know Miss Bobby gave me a little bit of the history, and she said that there was just a handful of families that came together and just grabbed every dime they could because they had this vision for this place. There used to be a house that sat right outside here. And in 1987, I was 16, and I was on my first mission trip ever to Guatemala. That is uh, the beginnings of what would be my perma-mullet known as the Missouri Compromise, where I'm from. It's like, um, but in that moment, when in 1987, there was just a house in a field out here, and some of you are old enough to remember it. I was 16 and uh, dumber than a bag of hammers. I had no idea. I didn't know come here from Sikkim, and I'm, I just want to go be Jesus, and I, I've, I got to be the devil, but you know, be that as it may. The Lord was planting seeds in 1987, and just like a Rube Goldberg machine, things were happening, <laughs> falling into place, that if any one of them wouldn't have happened, perhaps we wouldn't sit here this morning. So it's not like dominoes, it's literally like there's a, you know what they say in a machine with a lot of moving parts, there's a lot of opportunity for stuff to go wrong. But in a God as big as ours, a machine with a lot of moving parts is a lot of opportunity for God to get glory. And we sit here this morning to give credit where credit is due to Dave Holderman in one accord. Sorry, that was a reference to the thing. It's all about timing and I'm sorry, but in one accord. (laughs) It was like a grenade, you pull the pin and it takes a minute for it to go off. And I've been really praying a lot this week about what is it that God is doing and what is it that he wants us to do and to learn and to be a part of here and as is often the case you can go to the scriptures you can you can look at the life of Jesus as recorded in the gospels and say there's a playbook for us so simple right because what's happened ultimately this morning is two churches with two different names on signs came together 
this morning. But no matter what name is on a sign, no matter what name is on a 501c3 document with the government and all that stuff, we're just a Jesus church. Are we a conduit church? Are we a Hillview church? Are we a Methodist, a Presbyterian, a Charismatic, a Baptist church? We're a Jesus church. Can we be that? Can we just mark that? I don't know where that box is when you got to mark a box. Can we mark that one? I just want to be a Jesus church. And as a Jesus church, I'm looking at, well, 1 Corinthians 12, you might remember it, tells us that you're the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And it'll be a little maybe different if you've been around Conduit or whatever, but if you have your Bibles, you could go there, just make notes and let the Lord speak to you later. But I thought, okay, if you're the body of Christ, you and I are the body of Christ, then I think of us together, whether it's Conduit or Hillview or... Honestly, sometimes I think if you've traveled globally, you know that if you just had a coconut tree with some shade, congratulations, there's a church. You didn't have to have a sign, you not have to have anything registered. And, and I understand we live in a country where that's required and things, so we, we say that. But could we just be the Jesus church? And if Jesus is our head, then we as the body could learn some things, not just from what Paul wrote to this church in Corinth, which was kind of a naughty church. If you've read it, you're like, hey, he's telling him, hey, get to the Lord's Supper, don't get hammered. And don't. See, see, they were doing some crazy things. And he was just saying to them, just back off and don't overcomplicate things. You're the body of Christ. And if we, as a Jesus church, are that, maybe we could look to Jesus' body while on earth and take some cues from him. Maybe in the life of Christ as he walked this earth when God became man, we could learn some things from that. Like, I think that one of the things we could learn was that his body was conceived miraculously. An angel would hover over. The prophet said before that it was going to happen, a virgin would conceive, and, and an angel appeared and said to Mary, this is going to happen, and, and then miraculously. The thing about a miracle is this. I don't know how to tell you how it happened, only that it did. I don't know how it happened to Mary. I can only tell you that it did. So when people are asking me, and they have been this week, hey, how did you guys do that? A guy that's writing an, uh, an, uh, an article for a, a news service about church mergers said, hey, how did you guys do that? And it was like, I don't know. <laughs> I can only tell you the story. I can tell you what happened. I can give you all the steps of the Rube Goldberg, you know, God thing. But the beautiful thing about the Lord is that I missed a bunch of them. Stuff happened before I was even here, and there's this miracle that happened today that we are just a part of this larger picture that the Lord is conceived miraculously. And you think back to the beginnings and the birthing of Hillview in 1987. Most of you weren't around then, but God was birthing something miraculously. Again, you know, I've, we've said it, if you've been around Conduit, I don't like to be like a, a, a semantics Nazi, but I, I don't really like the phrase church planting. Because... It's more like giving birth. <laughs> it's bloody. <laughs> it's tense. It's pressure. There's things happening beyond your control. And before you know, boom, there's this beautiful baby. And it was all worth it. And I feel like that that's when you think back to what happened in 87 was labor. <laughs> the Lord was moving and things were happening. And that happened way before we sit here today. In Conduit in 1987, you know what I prayed that morning? That, that, pretty much every morning when I'm dressed up like Satan for 30 days? 
God, please don't make me a missionary. Please don't send me to Africa. Please, for the love of God, don't do this. I, I, didn't, I didn't even, when I went to Bible school, which I went, you know, sometimes, I, I didn't want to hang out with the pastors because they were so boring. So when the Lord moved on our hearts, starting from a seed that was planted a long time ago, those of you that have been around are like, well, that's pretty shocking. Yes. Yes, it is. It's actually a miracle. To sit here today, just like the body of Christ, Jesus' body on the earth was conceived miraculously, so too what's happening here is nothing short of a miracle. And not only was it birthed and conceived miraculously, when Jesus was born, all of his body parts functioned. His hands and his feet as he walked, as he moved, when he broke bread, when he fed 5,000, when he laid hands on him, when he stood up and he moved, his body functioned. Paul would say in Corinthians, you guys, there's many parts, but all one body. That means that there's hands, there's feet, there's fingers, and, and the beauty of that is that I've seen it this past week. If you've been in here in the last couple weeks, you know that we came in and and we painted it, we spruced it up, just like a house. You, know, you move in, let's spruce it up a little bit. And I came out, and Lynn Simpson was on her hands and knees pulling crabgrass for days <laughs> because she likes it. <laughs> Let that sink in. Andrew and Glenda were. Washing the trailer, our conduit trailer hadn't been washed in four years. And it never occurred to me. <laughs> like, that's a good point. But nobody asked them to, they just did it because that's what the Lord put on their heart to do. The thing about the body of Christ is that fingers and thumbs, if I'm, if I'm the thumb and I'm super bummed that I'm not the nose because it gets more attention, if I'm super bummed as the thumb because I didn't get to be these piercing blue eyes, then, then, uh, oh. But what happens when it's time to eat nachos? No thumb? I mean, you could chopstick it, but it's like the thumb becomes incredibly important to the body of me. And what's happened this week is the body has just fallen into place doing what we do because the Lord is leading us. And because somebody actually, you know, the thumb enjoys nachos, Lynn Simpson enjoys pulling crabgrass, well, who am I to say? That's the Lord doing it. The Lord doing it in each of us in the simple ways and in the complex ways that we get to be just like Jesus. His body functioned, our body has functioned, will function, continues to function in the way that the Lord has designed each and every one of us to function. You know, Donnie was in this week. Uh, Donnie has been part of the Hillview family, and he was like, man, I'm just kind of bummed because I'm a doer and I'm a goer. And, you know, and Jim this morning was like, I don't know, I feel like I should be doing something. And, you know, I just felt led to say, Jim, just go be Jim to as many people as you can. Like, be that. Because God has designed Jim to do teaching and preaching. So in that moment, he gets to kick back and say, I can be this and then let someone else do the running around. And this morning, that happened to have been Cortland. You saw him, but there was a little uh, sweat on his brow because he's moving Mo and everybody's just, I mean, the whole week there's been a lot of that going on. 
And I told Donnie that, look, at some point, maybe you weren't here to paint this week, but, and look where he is today, out there with the visual and the technical stuff. He gets to be that part of the body. Jesus' body functioned properly. Our body is functioning, will function, continues to function. If you're the body of Christ, it will function. And together, we can do more. If you've got an arm, I noticed that Brian Redmond, who's there this morning, has got a sling from a surgery he had this week. That means the other arm has to overcompensate. And there are moments in a church, and some of you, if you've served hard or you've been hurt in another place, know that it's okay to be in a sling for a little bit in the kingdom, to rest and to recover. Ain't nobody looking at you saying, oh, why aren't you serving? You know, Miss Bobby was up this morning greeting, handing out flyers. But if you've been a part of Conduit or Hillview and you feel like I need to take a rest for a little bit, absolutely you can do that. In fact, Pastor Jim is going to, for the month of June, just do nothing for this month. And just, he and Susan just enjoy the Lord and hang out. And then in July, we're going to start, you know, exploring some ideas of where his gift of teaching and preaching can be utilized here. But for now, it's okay to rest. And that's part of the body. When it's time to eat nachos, the toe can kick back. <laughs> Jesus' body conceived miraculously. This body conceived miraculously. All the members functioning, just like this. And you know what? His body, it grew. It says that his body, that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Jesus grew in our body, if it is healthy, will grow. It is growing, and I want to be very specific for you to hear me say this. I'm not talking specifically or even exclusively numerically. Growing as individuals. That isn't how big, it's like we don't need a big church, we just need big people for the Lord. In fact, the story of God so often over and over again is him taking a small group of people and doing big things. In some ways, I look at the size of this facility, and you might be looking around saying, wow, we're going to outgrow this. Maybe. Or maybe God says, I'll have another church that I'll give birth to. And maybe we grow and maybe 50 or 100 people. And I don't care if you're right next door. If you listen to the radio, probably not lately, Pandora, uh, you know that right next to the rock station is a, is a pop station, is a country station, is a this station, is that. If, if we're about the Lord and the kingdom, there's a Darren station, there's a Jim station, there's a Cortland station. There's a, we don't know what the Lord would say. What I know is that where Conduit was birthed from, from a church called Journey up in Franklin. We are mutually exclusive. We are separate. They gave birth to us. And you know what happened was their church didn't shrink. It exploded. And so maybe that's what the Lord will do with us as well here. What I do know is we're going to hold on and just say whatever you want to do, Lord. But we know this, that, that, a, that a healthy body will grow, just like Jesus' body. But you know what? His body also was attacked. It was conceived miraculously. All the members functioned properly. It grew, and it was attacked. Herod, by the time Jesus was a baby, made a declaration. He wanted to kill every child under the age of two. When he went to Nazareth as a grown-up, they pushed him back. They're going to try to push him, push him over a cliff, and the Lord split the crowd, and he walked right out unharmed. But know this. If you've been a part of Hillview or Conduit, you know that, boy, you smell what I'm stepping in. We have been attacked. A healthy Christ following Jesus is the head church. Do you think the enemy would want to let that happen? I've used this metaphor before, maybe too much, but it's worth repeating that I saw a general once being interviewed, and he was a World War II pilot. 
And he said that the only way when we were flying bombing sorties over the European theater or the Asian areas, it was one way that we knew that we were in the right place because we didn't have the technology. We didn't have the radar on our planes. It was if we were being shot at. He said, if we were dropping bombs over a farm in the middle of nowhere and nobody was shooting at us, we knew we were in the wrong place. And as a, as a body of believers, that's just part of the program. Now, what does an attack look like? What did it look like to Jesus? Unbelievers and even those that should have gotten it were spreading lies and half-truths and rumors. I do believe that the Lord, I don't believe the Lord actually, this is theologically, you can agree or disagree, I don't believe he makes, puts sickness on us or those things. And I believe that one of the ways you can actually recognize that Satan is in something though is specifically one of his greatest weapons has always been lies half lies. In fact, sometimes almost the truth is worse than a big lie because that's easier to believe. And boy, have we experienced that over the years, right? And Hillview, you guys, I know you've went through yours and Conduit's gone through ours, but know that that's just part of the program. And what is the best way to counter when Satan comes at you with half-truths? What did Jesus do? He just went to the Word. I believe it was... uh, might have been uh, Tim Reno that posted this this morning, but the integrity doesn't even need to defend itself. In and of itself, it's its own defense. Just let the truth of God sit. And so as attacks might come to us now, there's plenty of opportunity for misunderstandings, plenty of opportunities for you to say, man, did you roll up here with your window down? Because, bro, you look terrible. Your hair, yes, I know. But your personal preference may not be that. I'll roll the windows up, but it, I'm, I'm joking, but it's little things that it's like, a, you know when you get a rock in your shoe, and you think, I can organize that between my toe, you know, that's there, or I can put it around here, but before long, a rock in your shoe, it's, it's, it's something you could do away with, but the, eventually it's all you can think about until you can get it out. So I want to say to you this morning, you don't know me, some of you, I'm an open book, I can take it. I was in the music business for 18 years, I've been called many, many things. I can take criticism and constructive criticism. Just know that I'd rather have communication because in that truth can come out. And I know that Jim is the same. We're all that. Let's just be open and honest in communication with each other and that just like the body of Christ, there will will attacks come and let's counter them the way that Jesus did, which was with truth and with love. Not only was it attacked, but you know what? His body was sent. This morning in Guatemala are about a half a dozen or a dozen conduits from our local body, as well as 17 from a church in Oklahoma who are being sent out. And this morning in Guatemala from Conduit woke up a family that just last week was with us at Conduit because God sent them out. Jesus was sent. He went here. In fact, I love what Peter said. Peter said that if Jesus had a business card, I feel like this is what would be on it. I just go around doing good. He said this Jesus of Nazareth who went around doing good. And so I say that because as bodies of believers, this body here, we'll get to go and do good, not just in Guatemala or Indonesia, which is where uh, Benny, I don't know, I think he's already gone to Indonesia this week to teach discipleship. We don't have to go all the way around the world to do good. We can start with our own families, our own children, and each other in this body. Be like Jesus, go around doing good. Being sent, sent to your workplace, sent to your neighbors, sent to your family reunion, some of you this year. You get to go be Jesus to them. His body was submitted. He said, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. 
And when I'm asking about submission this morning, understand this. I'm not asking you to submit to me. In fact, I'm telling you don't. There's only one head, and that is Jesus. I feel like one of the best definitions for pastor is kind of the one Jesus gave, which is kind of like a doctor. You know, we're all, uh, he's the doctor, and I'm just one of the pastors in the thing. Let me say it this way. I'm kind of screwing up my metaphor. <laughs> Jesus is the great physician. I'm just like you. I'm sick too. And maybe I've been in the hospital a little bit longer. I'm going to go today and actually visit John Milnard. If you don't mind keeping him in prayer, he had brain surgery on Tuesday. He's got spinal meningitis. He's back in Vanderbilt. But I'm going to go there. We're going to pray with him today. But when you go to the hospital, you know, some people have been there a little bit longer and they know their way around. Like, I know what food to avoid in the cafeteria. I know what to, you know, this is the great day. This is a nurse that's kind of mean. This one's nice. That's really the only difference between a pastor and you is that I've maybe been in the hospital a little bit longer and maybe I needed a little bit more. But when we submit, we don't submit to me, to you. We submit to our Father in heaven. And here's why it's important, because I'm only submitting to a guy that wants, to a God that wants the best for me. Truly. I mean, seriously, if I, I, if 17, please, God, don't make me go to Africa, please. But you know what? When I went to Africa for the first time in 2008, I walked off the plane, and I remembered that night into the open air, I chuckled a little bit going, <laughs> I forgot I prayed that. And I want to be here. Thank God he didn't answer that prayer. But what I did is I finally submitted and I said, God, I don't, you know what? My way has been uh, enthusiastic, <laughs> but it's making me miserable. Submitting to his way actually has been one of the most fulfilling things I've ever experienced. It hasn't been easy. Oh, Lord, no. But it's certainly been fulfilling. When we were uh, booking artists, I was an artist manager, and we would send out, we'd do a contract and say this band costs X amount of dollars, and we'd send them the deal. But then I'd attach a writer to it. Here's an extra 28 pages of what my client will and will not do. Here's what you will and will not do to make this show go well. And so to me, my prayer to the Lord was, I'll do anything you want, but here's 28 pages of what I will and will not do for you. Something just inspired me, and a moment happened, and I tore that up metaphorically in my own heart and said, okay, God, I'm tearing up the writer. And you know what happened to me? It wasn't miserable. I found out that God knew me better than I did. And all those things that I was will and will not do were actually things that were going to make me uh, fulfilled and content. And I would encourage you this morning as a body, as us together, to submit not to me, but to submit to the Father God, I'll follow you wherever I want, tear up my rider, and just see what he does in your life. In fact, Romans 12 tells us if you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, verse 1, it says it goes on to verse 3 and 4, it talks about transforming, but it says, and then you will know his will for your life, his good, his perfect and pleasing will. The first step to that is saying, not my will, but thine be done, Lord. And as a church body this morning, as a Jesus church this morning, can we say to you, Father, not my will, but thine be done. It'll make this go so much smoother for all of us, won't it? His body not only was submitted, but you know what? It was broken. And I thought about that this morning because Jesus' body was broken so that we could be redeemed, so that my sins could be forgiven, that we could be healed and all those things. But one of the benefits of his uh, body being broken was, well, you might remember Thomas. That when Thomas came and said to him, I'm not going to believe, I, I can't believe until I see this, the, the, the scars, i got to see the proof of this. And he went to Jesus, and you know what, Jesus wasn't mad. 
I don't know where we get that. Actually, I know where I got it. It was my Sunday school teacher, Miss Opal. <laughs> she told me he was mad about it. But he wasn't. There's no context in the scripture at all that says he was mad. It was compassion. I mean, think about it. There's only one thing in heaven that is man-made, and that are the scars on his hands and on his feet and on his side. He kept them on purpose so that we could then, in his brokenness, just like Thomas say, now I believe. And I say that because in our world right now, the, the man-made scars in our lives, I'm looking around and I see you that have lost children. I see you that have lost loved ones. Those of you that have been sick and are fighting for your lives right now. And in your brokenness, skeptics can look and say, wow, but that's the thing I'm holding on to because I saw how you responded in that situation. And just like Jesus' body was broken, our bodies collectively, individually feel broken sometimes, whether it's through sickness, through despair, through darkness. And as the Lord in our weakness, he is strong. The skeptics can look to a place like conduit and say, well, there's something going on there that's different. There's a body that was conceived miraculous, a body that is growing, a body where all the members are functioning, a body that's being attacked and is submitted and there's brokenness and somehow in the middle of all of this, you're thriving and you're fulfilled. There must be something to this. There must be something to the fact that God would put on somebody's heart and say to a church, you know what, I don't want you to worry about the mortgage. I'm gonna take care of that. The Rube Goldberg marble falls. And someone that would say, I don't want you to worry about the crabgrass or the this or that. And the body is working and functioning. And outside of these walls when we leave today, and if you're new here, you might say, man, these plastic chairs are terribly uncomfortable. I'm aware. There's actually some more that are a little more cushy up here. But one of the things we've joked at at Conduit is that those chairs are uncomfortable on purpose because I don't want you to stay here very long. Because there's a world outside. There's a neighborhood across the street. There is a neighbor next door to you. There's a brother or sister, maybe even a son or a daughter at home right now. Go be Jesus to them individually and corporately. My question, your question might be, Darren, this is great, but what does this mean for us? And let me tell you real quickly two things. If our body is a body of Christ functioning the way that the Lord has called us to be, it means that we can celebrate and relax. This is worth celebrating this morning. I mean, seriously. It's funny, it's weird. In the positive sense of weird, it's amazing. It's worth celebrating. And we can relax. What do I mean by that? I touched on it a little bit with the body, but I can relax because I, are there things that I have a burden for here that I, oh man, I don't know how we're going to do this. How are we going to ever, how are we going to get the yard? What are we going to do? I don't have to be burdened for that. I can be aware of it. And in fact, you might come to me at some point and say, Darren, man, aren't you concerned about this? Or man, aren't you burdened about that? And I can say, no, I'm not. Because as the body of Christ functions, I can say, I'm the thumb. Let me know when nachos are coming, because I'm in. <laughs> but when it comes to Guy Roberts, our cyclist, when it comes to riding you know, the miles, I can take a little break. Actually, the pinky break takes, anyway. I can, the body's going to function, so I can say, here's my lane. Here's my role. So that when Pastor Jim is going to preach and teach, or Donnie's going to do technical stuff, Cortland is... If you don't know, Cortland 
has been in charge for the last few years of us with our small groups and a lot of counseling stuff. He gets to stay in his lane, and Mo has just absolutely risen up this past month with the administrative stuff. Because let me tell you what, and, and Pastor Jim, you know this, this is death by a thousand cuts when you've got a building. I mean, someone's going to plug the toilet this week. You know it, and I know it. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> I can teach about it, but I don't know. I mean, but I don't have to get worked up over it because... The body of Christ, and the Lord might be, and if you're saying to me, Darren, aren't you worried about or burdened about that? Maybe that's your burden because the Lord is putting it on your heart to do something about it. Maybe he's speaking to you. Darren, aren't you concerned that we have that many children around the corner? Yeah, a little bit. But boy, if you're burdened about it, maybe the Lord is putting on your heart to stand up and, and, and to help us with that. Because sure, we need help with it. But I can celebrate what God is doing and I can relax into his presence knowing that if God is in this thing, there is a person. A program doesn't solve anything. It's the power of the Holy Spirit through a person that solves problems. I can celebrate and relax. And number two, evaluation and intercession. <laughs> I can look and maybe the Lord has put it on your heart to do something or maybe the Lord just made you aware of it so that you can pray for that person. Jesus, when he said to pray for, he didn't say pray that we could have a program or a crusade. He said pray that laborers, that God would send laborers into the harvest. And my prayer this morning, maybe your prayer this morning is as well. Pray that God would send laborers into our harvest. God is up to something here. Be praying that we are protected from the attacks. Be praying that we are absolutely open to what God is doing and submitted and praying that Maybe the Lord has it in your own heart to do something that you would hear him this morning and submit to that. We're going to worship for just a couple more songs. So if musicians, you'd come and, and maybe we need to pray that somebody uh, knows how to uh, install air conditioning. I'm in. I know it. We'll figure this out. <laughs> I'm a full-figured man. I don't like it hot. You know what I'm saying? I want to be, I need, but my prayer this morning, your prayer maybe. that God is on the move, and where would he have you to stand this morning? What part of the body does he want you to participate in? If you're tired and you're wounded and you're worn, rest for a minute. Go into the sling and know that the other arm will overcompensate. We got your back. But no, some of you have been in the bench for a while, and you're thinking, it's time. Now, I've been on the bench. I'm healed. I can move my shoulder better than I thought I could. Maybe it's time for you to step forward. We'll tell you more how to do that and as we start to unpack what God is doing. But if you want to be a part of helping our children and speaking into their lives, you go forth and make disciples of all men. You could do that every Sunday here. Maybe that's what the Lord is speaking to you this morning. Email Shannon at conduitchurch.com. Shannon at conduitchurch.com. You can go to our website and find this. Maybe he's leading you. I, I, I've been disconnected. I want to be connected with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Cortland at conduitchurch.com. He's been our shepherd, helping us to find and connect with each other, not requiring you to be in any group. We don't even do membership. I can't require you to do anything. I can't kick you out of something you didn't join. But maybe the Lord wants to connect you in. Email Cortland at conduitchurch.com. But before we go, would you stand with me and drink in the presence of God? 
And maybe this morning some of you are broken. If, as you stand, on the, the sides over here, we have the elements of communion. Jesus said, do this often in remembrance of me. At Conduit, we have it available every week. If the Lord puts it on your heart, we've got bread and juice, and you can, uh, we actually dip in. That's available for you to acknowledge Christ. This is what you've done in your brokenness in me this morning. I'm submitting to you. There's no better way to submit than with remembering what Christ did for you and for me. If there's anything I want you to hear me say this morning is, man, I'm so excited about what God is doing. I can't explain how this happened, only that it did. And my prayer can only be that we as a body of believers, you and me, will listen to what our head Jesus has to say and with no reservation say, not my will but thine be done, that we might go into all the world starting in our own neighborhoods from neighbors to the nations and bring Jesus, bring the hope that he promised Father, would you give us wisdom and insight into your word this morning? Please teach us, show us, speak to us. And Lord, might we just have a moment to acknowledge and be thankful for what you've done here. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.